If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome, listeners. We are here on a Friday again. We are consistent, right? We try to be. <laughs> I'm Myrna. And, I'm Annette. And you're Annette. So this is good. We both know our names today. And listeners, our boss, this is the boss's fault, okay? This is not our fault. Yeah. Yeah. He left us. He left us. Our boss took vacation this week. So, you know, they... Um, Everybody that Richardson, Texas, and everybody in Dublin, Ireland, and, and, and all the other ones that we were going to share numbers with, well, we have no numbers. No. None. We're going to cry over it. There's no tissues. You can't cry. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Because we don't want sniffling. But I'm right. still sad because we promised them numbers. We promised. We promised, but I looked again last night, and because the boss is out of town, we have no numbers. So but we'll try to have them for them next week. Right. Because we'll talk to our boss on Tuesday. We Notice our new words. We'll try, try. and have them for yeah. them next week. That's right. Because we didn't realize, and I don't think he realized he was going on vacation this last week. So anyway, so that's the good news and the bad news. But we also want to say thank you to to uh, Voice America for our signs that we got for our car. Oh, yeah. They're so awesome. We had... Um, Robert, our boss, sent us these magnets, these huge magnets for our car, and we put them on, and then we had, um, we got them at the office there in Grangeville, and we put them on the car, and I didn't realize that it that we pulled up to this convenience store there in Grangeville, and this guy came out, and he was staring and towards Martin us. Said, Look at that guy staring at, at us. us. Oh, I said, oh, he's and, staring at us. And I got out of the car, and he said, I had to read it. I had to read it, mm -hmm. and I go, what was you reading? And then I looked at the side of the car, and he goes, that. He goes, what is it? And I told him, <laughs> now we want that guy to call in if he wants to. Yeah. Call into our radio show and let us know what you thought about our sign yeah. on our car. The number is one eight 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 three four. No, that's not for him. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not for him. Okay, give the number. Well, actually, you know what? Josh is going to put it up on the screen because I wrote it down, but she I don't can't know. Find I can't. It. Josh, what's the number? Yeah. So Josh is going to save us again because <laughs> if it's this number, then that's great. But I did not write. I think it is this number. I'm sorry. It is that number. I just wrote that guy's name. Okay. It one is. eight 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 three four six four. Right? Mm -hmm. Three four six nine one four one. Oh, yeah. Three, four, six, nine, one, four, one. Thank yeah. you, Josh. You make it so I can read it. Oh, hush. <laughs> I can read it. Of course, I wrote it. So so call in. Yeah. So we'll know what you thought of our sign that you mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. He was our very first one. That's right. And anybody else that saw the signs, let us know. Yeah. It looks pretty good across. It's all bright. It's awesome. And the car is a silverish metallic thingy. Color. He, said, he said it was cool looking. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's yeah. very good contrast, right? Yeah. It is. It is. So let's get on with today's show, shall we? Yeah. All right. We got an interesting guest. We do. On our show today. His name is Dan. Mm -hmm. Dan, Dan the man. man. <laughs> we won't tell him how he got that name until after <laughs> the show. 
Okay, because he might be thinking we're calling him a horse or something. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. No. no. So we have Dan. Dan is from Covenant Eyes. And last week we talked about um, addiction. And in, the, in that um, addiction meth part, we talked about pornography. And pornography is very touchy with Annette and me as we work with um, people in our counseling service. And we have teenage girls, teenage guys, and we need and adults. And, and adults. And, and we've seen marriages break up, break from, up pornography. From, from pornography. And so it's really kind of a, a touchy subject with us that we kind that of, we get on our soapbox. So we get we're gonna call we're gonna ask Dan to, to get on our soapbox today, right? Yeah, with us. With us. Yeah. And we promise we won't push him off. Oh, we promise. We promise. We'll be nice to him. No, because he's going to help us with That's it. That's right. We're just yeah. going to expand our box. Yeah. So, Dan, welcome from Covenant Eyes. Well, thank you so much for having me today, and I am happy to join you on your soapbox because I <laughs> sometimes feel like I'm sometimes one of the only people on here <laughs> in the circles that I hang out with. But uh, pleasure to be with uh, you ladies today on a Friday, and uh, just excited to talk about uh, this topic and how we can help people. Okay. Kind of give us a background of, of how Covenant Eyes became in existence. Sure, absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful story. It's a story that um, if we had to write it, it probably wouldn't turn out this way, especially the way it started. But I think uh, by the end of it, you'll think, wow, it's how it all kind of came together. So um, our founder, his name is Ron D. Haas. He was uh, and still is a geologist by trade, um, loves rocks, loves to study rocks. He's a scientist. Um, he loves geography, uh, geology, mostly in the petroleum type of industry. That's what he was always into uh, as a student and also in his working career. Um, and he met his wife on uh, an oil rig. She was a petroleum wow. engineer. So you talk about a romantic first date uh, yeah. going on to an oil rig. Um, that was meant to be a joke. So um, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no laugh track on here. So I'll have to, I'll, we'll have to cue that up next time. Um, okay. So, so Ron and his wife, um, uh, they met on an oil rig, you know, they got married, they had kids. And in 1992, they had a seven-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. So life was going well. Ron had a good job. His wife was working as well. I had two kids. Things were going wonderfully. Um, but then in, um, 1992, uh, his wife and two kids were traveling on the west side of Michigan near the Marshall area, and uh, there was an accident that happened in front of them on the highway. So because of the accident, it stopped traffic, so they stopped because the road was blocked, and then not very many seconds later, uh, a tanker truck that was full of kerosene uh, slammed full speed into them from behind. Um, either the driver had fallen asleep or um, just didn't see them. And that impact blew up um, Ron's wife's car and the two kids inside. Mm. Um, there was nothing left. Uh, it was a fiery inferno, and they had to identify them with their dental records because um, mm. nothing was left. It, was all, it, it literally went up in flames. Um, so imagine that happening to anybody uh, in one mm. Uh, afternoon, your whole family um, is taken from you. So it's kind of like a Job experience. Right. Um, so what happened to Job when he was told of all these things that happened, the Bible says that he fell down and worshiped. 
So when Ron was told of his wife and two children being um, killed, um, he fell down um, out of emotion, out of distress. And he said that recalling that experience, he was on the ground for probably closer 45 minutes to an hour, just kind of Mm. trying to process this initial shock of his whole life being turned upside down. And now looking back on that now, uh, 27 years later, he said, you know what? I got the falling down part that Job talked about, but he said, you know what? When I look back, when it's just me and God, because everyone that I cared about most on earth was gone, God had my full attention. And I believe that I was truly worshiping him at that moment um, when that all happened. So after that happened, uh, Ron thought, okay, maybe I'm retired now. I'm going to take at least a year off and kind of just reprocess what's going on, uh, try to figure out what life's going to be like not having a family anymore. Um, and because of that accident, he had gotten roughly a two to three million dollar settlement. Um, it won't bring, it wouldn't bring his family back, but at least right. it's, it's something that, that came of it. Um, so he thought, okay, maybe I'm semi-retired. Maybe I'm just going to try to figure out life, you know, from now on uh, in a different in a different way because I'm not I, I'm not married anymore. And I don't have any children. So the Lord usually has different plans than we do. So within the year, uh, he had remarried, and the person he remarried had um, teenage boys. So he became uh, a husband and also a parent of two teenage boys, and there was another daughter as well. Um, that uh, that was his new family. So through the mid-90s and late-90s, the Internet really started to take off. Uh, it's much different back then than it is today with high speed and those kinds of things. But back in the 90s, um, it was uh, just starting to really take root, really starting to grow. And Ron's church and his pastor were always very intentional about accountability, So being accountable in your relationships, being accountable in your finances, being accountable with health, what you put into your body, exercising, taking care of yourself, taking care of your resources. And he thought, you know what? I think that we need to be accountable when we're on the Internet because our life online is just as important as it is offline. And he said, you know what, I want to teach my children to be accountable when they are on the Internet. And he thought, you know what, here are my options. I can either be over their shoulder 24-7 while they're on a computer or on some type of device. And he thought, you know what, I don't want to do that. And number two, they're going to grow and get out of my house eventually. And that's not a very good training is to be over their shoulder all the time. And the other option would be not allowing them to do it at all. So he thought, you know what? Rather than just taking it away from them, that's not a good way to train them either. Um, and they're going to get to it too. And, and there are very many good things that you can do with the internet. So how about we train them? And I want to be able to see what they're doing online without actually being there with them. So he and another gentleman developed this software that when you go online, it monitors what is being seen. And then if anything is questionable or anything more of an adult nature uh, is triggered, then it goes on a report that gets sent to someone else. It could be uh, what we call an ally or an accountability partner. For children, it's their parents. For adults, it can be a pastor, it can be a spouse, it can be trusted friends. Um, So uh, he ended up developing this and thinking, this is working very well. I don't want to keep this to myself. I want to um, 
allow other people to use this as well. So uh, he developed it as a business model. And the interesting thing is he rolled that lawsuit money from the accident that took his first family and created what is now Covenant Eye. So every family that is restored, every child that's protected online, every marriage that is um, that has reconciliation because of the Covenant Eye software is a testimony to the legacy of his original family. So what what oftentimes is intended for evil, God can make it for good. And that's exactly what's happened with Covenant Eyes. Yeah, what yeah. a story. What yeah. a story. It's pretty neat that you guys have gotten into this because this is a big issue all around the world. I mean, it is a big issue. We do a lot of work in this stuff. What is your mission statement about? Sure. And I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think oftentimes, because we often uh, believe we're in this bubble. You know, at Covenant Eyes, we see this every single day. We hear the stories mm-hmm. of people hurting. We hear about the relationships that are destroyed. We hear about the families broken up because of this, the lack of the, the distrust, uh, deception, hiding, all these things happen. So we oftentimes think, well, we see this so close. Maybe the rest of the world isn't impacted as much as we are. But whenever we go to an organization that um, handles uh, a lot of um, family issues, like a lot of the major Christian organizations or counseling sessions, we'll ask them and we'll say, you know, don't tell us this answer because we're here. Don't let that cloud that. But how many people call you because of pornography or something related to pornography that has devastated them. And they say roughly nine out of 10 calls are because of pornography. Mm -hmm. And we thought, wow, that's even more than we thought. So we're, we're definitely touching something that is, like you mentioned, a global impact. You know, pornography doesn't have a target audience. It's probably the only business, the only industry that doesn't have a target audience. Most businesses, when you go into a meeting with these businesses, you say, okay, what is our target market? You know, Nike wants to target athletes. Um, You know, the soft drink industries want to target those who enjoy soft drinks. You know, they they want to target this audience. Pornography has no target audience. It's literally everyone. It's, it's elderly, it's young, it's rich, it's poor, it's black, it's white, it's all ethnicities, it's all locations. They want everyone to consume their product globally. So that, that's one of the biggest problems that we have. So our mission statement is, you know, why does Covenant Eyes exist? We exist because pornography is corrupting hundreds of millions of people. We exist to change the course of history by enabling the world to overcome porn and be restored and transformed through through what we do. And what we do that was we provide software and content to help people quit using pornography for good or never start. Exactly. Amen to exactly. that. Um, so I understand I understand that you know that it has no target audience and that's awesome. Last week when we were we had did, did some research on pornography one a, a doctor had said that she has seen as young as six-year-olds struggle mm. with pornography, and that was that was sad. That was very, very sad. We noticed that um, on one thing that that Job thirty-one-one that we pulled off of the internet on in, on your site was Job was saying, "I have made a covenant with my eyes," and I'm I'm guessing that's kind of where the name came from. 
It is. Um, and it's and it's that Job experience that the founder had after his family. Uh, it tied in very well to what um, what our mission is and yeah. to to defeat pornography and so that people can gain victory over this horrible thing. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. The pornography is not you say. I mean, like you said, it, it doesn't have a target because it's everybody. It everybody's its target basically, mm-hmm. and they can make some good money. Yeah. The, the, the revenues on the internet are outstanding. And the thing is that it comes through the price of the people who are on the internet and the people, they mean the performers and those of us who, not me, people who um, watch the internet. That's for sure. And it, it makes billions and billions and billions of dollars. It's tough to track because uh, a lot of companies aren't forthright with how much money they're making with this. Some of it's under the table, how they pay performers or don't pay performers. Sometimes that's uh, in question. We do know that pornography does make more money than all of the major sports yeah. combined. So the mm. NFL, NBA, NHL, um, all of those um it, it, it makes a lot more money than all the major league baseball. And the thing is, and what also ties in with that no target audience, um, there's a triple A factor when it comes to pornography. So you have um, affordability. Uh, oftentimes these things are very low cost, oftentimes no cost to get right. people started in it. Um, so they don't have to put a credit card in. Um, they don't have to go to um, a corner store at two o'clock in the morning where, um, you know, where they have to pay money for a magazine or a DVD or those kinds of things. Um, so the price barrier oftentimes isn't there or it's very low. And then the second A, in addition to affordability, is accessibility. Um, I tell people even my furnace, uh, my thermostat, my um, uh, garage door opener, uh, they're all on Wi-Fi. So almost every electronic device is on Wi-Fi, which is accessible to the Internet. So you can get to Internet. um, You can get to pornography, obviously, through the Internet. And um, it's accessible in almost everything. And I tell people uh, oftentimes they'll give their child a tablet, a phone to kind of appease them. It's like a babysitter for them. Hey, I don't want to watch my kid or I'm busy doing something else. Here, have this electronic device and play games on it or, or do whatever you want on it. I often tell people, you know, if there was um, a proposal in your neighborhood, let's say on your block where you live, if there was talk about a seven-story adult bookstore um, that is going to house the most uh, wretched, disgusting, uh, exhaustive from the very beginning of uh, pornographic content to modern day, if they were going to house that at that facility, in your neighborhood, you would p- probably protest that. You would call your city council members. You would, if it was even starting to be built, you would tell your kids, don't walk by there on the way home from school. We don't want anything to do with that place. That's pretty obvious for most people, for most parents. But I tell people, you know what? That seven-story building lives, and I show them my phone. 
or a tablet. Right. You can get to any internet and you can get to any kind of content that's ever been created and it's stored on this device today and you're handing it over to your kids unprotected and expect a different result. Um, so you have affordability, you have accessibility. And the last one, uh, this is probably the most important and this is the one that we help blast through at Covenant Eyes and that's anonymity. Most people say, you know what, this whole idea of me enjoying pornography is that it's my thing. It's my business. I'm not hurting anybody. And uh, they, they look at it and they can clear their web browsers or many uh, browsers on uh, the um, computers have what's called incognito or in private browsing. So it's custom made to be able to go to pornographic sites and it not be stored on your computer. Someone else can use the same device and not see where you were going. We know that most children, roughly 80% of them, say that they intentionally hide uh, their Internet history from their parents. And then we, we talk to parents, and roughly 85% of them say they don't even realize that these things exist, that you can actually hide where you've been on the Internet. So a lot of parents don't know what they don't know, and children are taking advantage of that. Okay, yeah. Thank you. We will take a break and we'll be back in a little bit and we'll continue from there. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book. Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email 
to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Hi, we are back with Dan from Covenant Eyes. We've been talking, obviously, about pornography and how to um, the importance of, of accountability in that on the Internet. And I think we're going to, we, he just covered the AAA effect, affordable accessibility and then anonymity. And we're going to talk right now about the link between pornography and I think it was tra- trafficking. Is that yes. correct, Dan? Mm-hmm. Okay, go for it. Sure. How, now, how is there a link? Some people... Some people will think, oh, come on, you know, pornography is harmless. You have willing people on one side of the camera that are filming people. You have willing people in front of the camera that just want to get paid. And um, they're voluntarily doing these things. And the people who are viewing it are voluntarily doing it. So No one's really getting hurt. There are no victims here. Um, but what we found out as you do more research is pornography is the ugly tip of the mass media iceberg that's fueling demand for human trafficking. Now, porn sites draw buyers in. It gives them the idea of what's available for them. Mostly, um, uh, and I don't encourage anyone to, to look at it, but I'm sure most people who have looked at it before will realize that youth is promoted uh, when it comes to pornography. Right. They accentuate youth. Uh, there are categories for teens. Uh, they'll, they'll use the term barely legal. They'll use the term jailbait. So just by looking at those charged words, you see what they're going for. You're going, they're going for very young people. And we know that globally, 75% of all human trafficking involves women. And right. 25% of them are children, so minors. So pornography is accentuating women and youth when it comes right. to drawing people in who are involved in this. Uh, we know that the human trafficking um, industry is roughly a $150 billion industry globally, that's according to the International Labor Organization, and that roughly 40 million people are trafficked globally every single year. You know, mm. porn is anti-woman. Um, you've seen many high-ranking men. This is what's going on in current events. Um, you know, high-ranking men, especially in Hollywood, um, have been brought down, thankfully, uh, because of their sexual misconduct towards women. So you think of Matt Lauer, the host of the Today Show, Charlie right. Rose, who was on CBS this morning, Louis C.K., the comedian, Bill Cosby, and so right. on. They were, um, you know, they got in trouble. They've lost their careers because of their sexual misconduct towards women. Now, we know that both Louis C.K., the comedian, and Charlie Rose, when they were caught with this, they said in interviews that they were under the impression that the women they were doing these things to had shared feelings with them. Now, now who gave them that idea? That these yeah. women that they are being predatory against and abusing and mistreating, how would they ever get that idea that they had shared feelings, that these women actually wanted this? It was pornography. Only right. pornography says that it's the only place in the world that says being predatory is not only accepted, but encouraged. What these men did to these women are no different from the various storylines that they found in pornography. So the world of porn, it's okay to mistreat women. It's okay to be misogynistic. It, it, it's okay to, to um, do all these things. There was a study in Indiana University. You, you're probably both familiar with this, the Zillman and Bryant study, um, okay. where it proved that the more you watched pornography, the less likely people were to support women's rights. 
Right. And that even includes women. The mm-hmm. women that watched more pornography were less supportive of women's rights because mm-hmm. of watching pornography. Uh, it desensitizes. Also, go ahead. Well, it desensitizes their feelings towards the women, the compassion and the respect. Very much so, even among women, which seems strange. Exactly. The, the more that they watched, the more they were sympathetic to rapists as well. Um, yeah, all yeah. the groups that either didn't watch any pornography, watched a little bit of pornography, or watched a lot of pornography, those who watched the most were the least sympathetic to people who raped other people. They would say that they wanted uh, less harsh prison sentences for them. So how, how tragic. There's even a recent, and this is in the last couple of years, an Australian study revealed that teenage females reported sexual harassment and abuse online as daily occurrences, and that their relational worth is measured mostly on whether they can sexually satisfy teenage boys. Now, where do they get that idea from? We know where the boys got it from, and unfortunately, a lot of women are now getting involved in pornography because they Mm -hmm. think, okay, when I'm with a man, this is what he's going to be expecting. So to meet his expectations, I need to watch this pornography. And this even happens among Christian men and women before they get married. Oftentimes, the man will say, okay, um, we're almost married, so I want to give you an idea of what I expect we're going to do. And then mm. he introduces her to pornography, and then oftentimes she's like, whoa, no, we're, we're not doing that. Right. Um, so he's already gotten into this world that he's not able to get out of, and he thinks this is real life now. Um, mm-hmm. Activists who loathe sex trafficking are in the right to loathe the porn industry as well, uh, because mm-hmm. employers who physically, emotionally, sexually abuse their employees are breaking the law, no matter how cleverly edited it is. Um, yeah. we, we see that on, on these sets all the time where women, and a lot of women who are no longer in the porn industry will say, you know, I agreed to doing a few things when I got on this set, and then I was pressured to do more things that I was not comfortable with because they said, well, if you do this, we'll pay you more. If you do this, we'll get you another job. And if you don't, we're going to blacklist you, and you won't go any farther in this industry, yeah. and we may never hire you again. So there's a lot right. of pressure. There's a lot of coercion that goes on. It creates a hunger to purchase and to objectify women. Uh, human exactly, um, and that goes along with it, it, it's terrible. It goes along with uh, sexual abuse and everything. They all do that. That's how they keep their victims yes. down. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Even, demographic. Um, who a, who do you think is uh, most likely to view pornography? Yes, yes. The um, the Whisper Oral History Project that, that group found mm-hmm. that eighty six percent of prostitutes say that Johns showed them pornography to illustrate what acts they wanted them to perform. Um, so that's, that's real life. So pornography, human trafficking, prostitution, they all go hand in hand. Right. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is most likely to view pornography? Sure. Well, we've already talked about um, it's everyone. So there's, there's right. a demographic, there's a, you know, among um, young people, among teenagers, among young adults, among adults. Um, but what we found out um, that uh, is recently a 2016, uh, a survey showed us that 72% of men ages 13 to 24 mm-hmm. watch the most porn. Right. So between those ages, so you're looking at teenagers to young adults, college mm-hmm. age from 13 to 24, they're the men 
consume the most pornography. And I don't, I don't think that's surprising for most people. Um, no. The second no. largest group is men ages 25 and above. Right. Um, we right. do know, according to surveys, and these are surveys that people voluntarily uh, fill out information, so they're not forced. Um, it's not um, something they walk on their computer and it, and it fills out a form. They're voluntarily offering this information. So when someone is um, reflecting what they're doing, especially when it's not seen as positive, they may underreport. So these numbers show us that we know that um, three out of five Christian men say they struggle with pornography daily, weekly, or monthly. And in those same surveys, roughly one in seven women say that they struggle with pornography at the same rate. So when you look, if you go to church, like on a Sunday morning, Look around, and three out of five men statistically are struggling with pornography, and roughly one in seven women statistically are struggling with that. You, you would look at people a lot differently, I think, when, when that is realized, that people are really struggling, people are really hurting, but they put on that mask because there's shame. There is um, a guilt that they feel, that they uh, feel like if people knew this, they would have a lower uh, view of them. Um, when it comes to culture, I think this is one of the most interesting statistics that we have pulled out of this in the last few years. We found out that most teens and young adults say that not recycling is worse than right. being pornography. Exactly. They are more, more conscious of the physical environment around them than what's going on inside yep. their own brains. Yeah, that was interesting when we that, read that. It, it, I mean, it, it's really, um, we do know also that 90%, which is 9 out of 10, it's a lot, 96, 90% of teens and 96% of young adults, when they talk about pornography with their friends, they do it in either a positive or neutral way. So only 10% of teens and 4% of young adults, when pornography comes up in conversation, would say, you know what, that's wrong. That's that's. That's not something we should be involved in. So there is a huge tidal wave that pornography is sweeping over this entire nation and is getting the hearts and minds of our teens and young adults. Okay. What, what I thought was interesting in the because um, we did download the pornography stats, and listeners, there is pornography stats at um, covenanteyes.com that you can mm -hmm. get a packet, and it is yeah. it, it, it is outstanding um, research and it's all referenced so it's very valid um, what I found interesting was uh, according to sociologist Jill Manning um, pornography mm -hmm. consumption is associated with the following six trends increased marital distress and risk of separation and divorce the de decreased marital intimacy and sexual satisfaction which I can understand that but um, mm -hmm. the in infidelity and increased appetite for more graphic types of porn um, devaluation of monogamy and an increasing number of people struggling with compulsive and addictive sexual behavior. I mean, those are like kind of no brainers when you're in the mental health field, but I guess to the common person, they don't just put it together. I mean, is that accurate? Right. Yeah, sure. And I'm, you know, I'm curious to see um, how often do you deal with uh, pornography when people come to you? When have you seen it both in, on the male and the female side? Yes. Yes, we have. We've seen it um, with teens on on both sides and um, with adults on both sides. Have we seen it with the women, Annette? Have we dealt with the woman? 
yeah, on pornography? We have a little bit, but it's more men we've been dealing yeah. with and teens. And teens, yeah. Teen, male teens. Yeah. We've had probably one woman, one young girl, not a mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. It's pretty the, um Their perception of it, and with that whole idea that most young people talk about pornography either positively or neutrally, um, their definition of what pornography is is much different than what their parents or grandparents would say. So what we're finding out is only 58% of teens and young adults believe that an image of a sexual act that's not intercourse is pornography. So mm-hmm. you could ask a young person uh, who was looking at maybe one of those old school Playboy magazines or uh, even something much you know, harder than that. Um, are you looking at pornography? And they would, they could tell, they would tell you no. Um, right. Even after looking at that, even mm-hmm. while looking at that, because mm-hmm. their definition of what pornography is, is they believe that um, it has to be uh, sexual intercourse to be pornographic. Anything exactly. less than that, according to them, is not pornographic. So mm-hmm. you even have to define the terms with young people so that they understand what it is and. This is a little bit controversial with with a lot of people, but I think it is imperative, especially in the world that we live in today, is start young with your children when it comes to educating them about what's out there. Now, of course, you want to be age appropriate. You don't want to tell a young person uh, who's not ready uh, the birds and the bees. I think think that's foolish. Um, But even maybe starting at like three years old, uh, we did this with our girls. We have um, four girls and a boy. Um, going through a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, uh, there's nothing questionable in that book. There are no images in that book. Um, but at the same time, you're talking to them about, you know what, there's a word called pornography or porn, and here is what pornography is. It is either a picture or a video of someone with little or no clothes on. And if you that either on a computer or somewhere else come to mommy and daddy and we'll talk about it so that's a skill that you can teach a three or four year old person that unfortunately in this world it's not if but when they get exposed to pornography in our in our popular culture that they're starting to come to mom and dad when they're confused when they don't know what they just saw uh, when something's curious to them so teaching them that skill will oftentimes keep them out of trouble, number one. And number two, it could keep them from being abused because oftentimes predators will, pl- will mm-hmm. prey on young people who no one has told them about anything. So um, you, you hear these stories about uh, an uncle who abused this young person or, or another relative abusing this young person because this young person didn't know what they were doing was wrong. So you know, we taught our kids, you know what, kids, there are parts of your body that no one gets to see and no one gets to touch. Mm-hmm. And we pray that that education for them will save them. Of course, you can't avoid everything, but we're hoping that that will at least give them some more advantage um, that would prevent something like this. Exactly. Um, but you have a lot of people thought- who say, I just don't want to talk about it. You know, my, my kids have never asked me about this, and I hate to share the story, but a lot of people close to me, friends, family, um, I'll say, you know, hey, you know, you have a 12-year-old, you have a 13-year-old boy or girl. Um, have you had good conversations with them a while about what um, sexual purity is, 
um, what is what is expected, what's appropriate, and then oftentimes the answer is, you know what, they've never asked me about it, so um, I, I think we're we're safe. And I think, you know what, they're probably not going to come to you. Number one, it's embarrassing. Um, it's 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 very embarrassing to ask your parents about these kinds of things. Um, and and number two, they may have already seen some of this that they feel ashamed about that they don't want to feel like they're going to get in trouble. Um, and that's not just for children. Adults feel that way, too. So as we talked during the break, uh, we know that, according to statistics, up to half of pastors are struggling with pornography themselves. Um, we're not saying that they're giving in every time, but uh, they at least struggle with this. They're as tempted as much as anyone else is. They're as human right. as everyone else is. But I think oftentimes it doesn't get talked about because either they feel that shame or they feel that they're not quite prepared to help other people with that. We, we know that most pastors believe that porn is bad for society and that even within their church, it's a major issue uh, of struggle. But only 7% of all churches in America, that's every denomination, only 7% have any kind of program to help people who are struggling with pornography. And when they're asked, you know, you used to have a program and you no longer have a program, why is that? They'll say, well, lack of interest. No one's asking for it. So that, there are a couple things you can surmise from that. Either that topic is not safe to talk about at that church, uh, or, or possibly the pastor is involved in something that they just don't want to broach that topic because, then they would be embarrassed and they would fear for their job or, or fear for the future. Right. Yeah. And how sad because, you know, that's where we're supposed to go for help. I happened to be fortunate yeah. when my son was alive. He uh, seen a pop-up that came on his computer and he ran over to me and said, some pervert put this on my computer. <laughs> wow. Wow. What a, what a great story. I, I yeah. love to hear those kinds of stories. And, and you created an environment in your home where it was safe for your child to come to you. And that, that is yeah. something that I wish I could encourage everyone with. Let me, let me share a couple stories here of two real-life scenarios that, that actually happened. Um, several years ago, while at uh, a conference, uh, we had a dad that pulled us aside and said, you know what, I wish that we would have known about Covenant Eyes last year before the FBI showed up to my house to arrest my teenage son. Oh and we goodness. thought, whoa, <laughs> there's, a, there's a story here. Tell, tell us what happened. Uh, and he said, well, basically what happened was uh, we live, we live um, uh, in, a, in a rural, small community, and um, my, uh, our, the, the, our children's grandparents, their parents, um, wanted them to have a computer in the house because they thought, hey, you know, it's good for word processing. It'll be good for studying. It'll be good for research. Uh, a computer will help them with their studies. So their teenage boy got this laptop, and they thought that they were safe because they didn't have wireless internet in the house. They didn't have any internet in the house. So they thought, okay, if he's on his computer, he's either playing a game that we put on the computer, or he's typing up a paper or something like that. What he was doing was he was able to tap off the neighbor's wireless, uh, wireless uh, and got into chat rooms and was looking at uh, swimsuit models at first and then got into more uh, hardcore things. And he got, he got up into this um, uh, a chat room where he um, agreed to meet up with someone who was underage. And that person ended up being uh, an FBI agent undercover. Oh, no. So the FBI came to their house and said, hey, you, we have someone in this house that has solicited sex 
with an underage person. Um, so you, the parents had no idea this was going on. They're, they had a straight A student. Um, they were very involved in their children's lives. They went to Sunday, Sunday service every week. Um, honor roll student, played sports, volunteered in the community. No one would have known this. This is the child that everyone wished they had. On the outside, everything was going well, but on the inside, they were secretly struggling with something that the parents had no idea about. Now, let's talk about another family where the parents uh, took the time to sit down with their children and talk to them about it age-appropriately since they were young until they were, you know, teenagers and, and when they left the house. Um, one of the sons uh, was being picked up from school. He was standing around uh, a sidewalk. His dad picked him up from school. And uh, the son was shaking his head and, and turned to his dad, and he said, you know what, dad, guys are dumb. <laughs> and his dad said, okay, tell me why guys are dumb. And he said, you know, I was just talking to my friends over there, and they were saying, um, they were asking everyone in the circle what kind of pornography you look at. And oh everyone described what they were looking at and what they thought was cool, and they got to me, and they said, you know, what kind of porn do you look at? And he says, well, I don't look at porn. And they kind of shook their heads like, well, we don't, we don't believe you. And he says, no, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And they said, well, why, why don't you look at it? And he said, well, number one, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And they say, so are we. You know, and we still look at this. Mm. And he said, well, number two, not only am I a Christian, I also believe that how do you know that when you're looking at those things on the Internet, that you're not looking at a slave? Because pornography and human trafficking go hand in hand. How do you know that person on the screen wasn't forced to do that? Mm. Um, you, know, you know, slavery is wrong. You know, using mm. people is wrong. Ex exploiting people is wrong. How, you know, what does it say to you guys when you Smart look at something kid. like that and get excited by something like that when someone is being enslaved? That's terrible. And, he's, and they said, well, we could quit at any time. And he said, oh. do you really believe that? He said, you know, because Tiger Woods, had, uh, had a supermodel wife, and he still struggled with pornography, and he lost his marriage because of that. So right. everyone is tempted. Everyone can fall in this trap. Um, so imagine you know, the first family having a child that wasn't talked to, wasn't trained, um, didn't know the dangers of pornography, and then having that second son who not only was able to identify what was wrong with pornography, but actually stand on his own two feet and be able to confront this culture that is bombarding him with pornography and say how wrong it is and change other people's minds. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I think everyone would want to have that second son. And that's, that's what Covenant Eyes does. Covenant Eyes empowers people to stop looking at pornography or never start in the first place. Mm -hmm, uh, right. We have the best technology that takes um, that monitors what is on the screen. It uses image recognition and artificial intelligence to identify what is on the screen. And if anything triggers the uh, what is seen as pornography, it is recorded and it's sent to a trusted partner where they can talk to the user about that and say, you know what, I see you're struggling a little bit here. Let's talk about triggers. You know, maybe um, you need to take up a, a different type of hobby, or maybe you need to occupy your time with something else. Maybe you're not um, challenged enough at work. You should talk to your boss about that. So there, there are things that you can talk about when this thing is shown light. 
You know, these things thrive in darkness and secrecy. When you get that accountability with other people, you are much less likely to look at something when you know that that image will be seen by your spouse, your pastor, or your trusted friends. Mm -hmm. So how would someone, would they just go to your website then and um, look it over and sign up to subscribe? Or how would somebody get connected with Covenant Eyes? Sure. Yep. The best place to do it is go to CovenantEyes.com. You go to that screen and you can click Get Started. Um, There are many ways you can do it. You can click Get Started. You can click Create an Account. Um, It's right in bold, in a big blue button. And uh, when you go to the site, you're able to get 30 days free. So if you go to our website, you can click that blue button and you can get your first 30 days free of Covenant Eyes. Try it out. um, See how it helps. And uh, we, we're confident that, that, it, that it will help those who are struggling. A lot of people who come to us are, are struggling. They're at a point of crisis. They're willing to try anything to keep their marriage together. And most people will, will do this because accountability works. Right. Uh, oftentimes, what people do is they'll just try to say, you know what, let's just put some kind of filter on my computer. But if it's a simple filter that no one else sees, then you don't have the accountability. So right. imagine a filter is kind of like a fence. Fences are good for keeping young adults, <laughs> young, young people, and animals inside a confined space. But you train right. the children and the animals to stay inside the fence as long as we're looking at them. And if we turn our back and the kid gets out of the fence, as long as they're back inside the fence, by the time we turn back, we think that they're safe. Exactly. But what accountability does is it sees them all the time. We see them climbing the fence, digging under the fence, opening up the gate, and we can help them say, okay, I see you're curious in this area. Let's, let's talk about that. Oftentimes with Covenant Eyes, we'll find people who will say, you know what, my son really likes superheroes. And in a wholesome way, they were researching uh, the history of superheroes and how they're related to like Captain America and the World Wars and those kinds of things. And then they stumbled upon more graphic um, uh, scantily clad uh, superheroes. Mm-hmm. So they're able to aim them and say, you know what, superheroes are okay, you know, but we're going to aim it in this direction rather than go to the more um, right. more sensual, <clears throat> sexual uh, type of superheroes. Okay. So th- th- it's something that catches things that oftentimes parents and partners miss. Okay. So I, I can see, I, I can certainly understand how accountability would work because of, of that very same thing. And is there, Dan, as we go into the closing, is there anything else you want to just kind of say to listen, our listeners just shortly? Sure. I just I would encourage people to go to covenantize.com and clicking get started, trying okay. the first 30 days free. I think okay. for a lot of people, they think, well, you know, I'm not currently struggling with pornography or, hey, I look at it maybe once a week, a few times a month. It's really no big deal. It is a big deal because what we've talked about this entire hour is ruining individuals, families, and society at large. So no one is above temptation. I'm always going to have covenant eyes on my devices because accountability works and I need it when I'm struggling. So I don't want to get to the point of saying, hey, I don't want any accountability because that's when it's going to come. So I think it's a lifelong thing. I think accountability Mm -hmm. should be a lifelong thing. So I encourage people just to be intentional about it. Even if they don't sign up for Covenant Eyes, do things that are intentional with your spouses, with your Mm -hmm. children, and have those early conversations. Um, You know, if you're looking to get married... Okay, and all right, we got to go. Dan, we got to go. We just thank you for um, being our guest today. And 
We appreciate Covenant Eyes and the mission statement and what they do for our children and everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.